We're going to keep worshiping uh, in just a minute. Um, but I, I want to share uh, some of the words that I've been getting from the Lord. Um, like I said, I've been getting emails from people and text messages, and I've done my best to kind of compile it into something. And it's a little bit different for, for me than I've ever done because I, I actually had to write this thing out and, um, and incorporate some of the words I was hearing from the Lord and, and incorporate some of the things that um, other people were hearing from the Lord. And, um, but just a quick little teaching before we get into it. Uh, what is prophecy? What is the prophetic. Um, a few years back, uh, I I used to uh, go on tour pretty often, and uh, and one of the nights, you know, one of the things about being on tour is it's like you do the same thing every single night. So you kind of get to this point where you're like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen tonight, you know, and um, and I remember one one night we we were wrapping up late. Uh, like we always did. And I, I love to go to bed early. So tour is really hard for me because everything's very late. Um, and, uh, and I remember Elevation was leading worship and, and I was so tired. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go back to the bus and I'm going to go to sleep. And, um, and as I was walking, I felt like the Lord was like, stop, you need to stay. And I was like, oh, are you sure? Because I'm really tired. Are you sure? You know, and so I kind of sat on the side of the stage and I was praying and I saw this guy kind of sitting in the front and um, big tall guy, shaved head, a bunch of tattoos, uh, like everything in his like person exuded this like, don't talk to me sort of vibe, you know. Um, everyone around him had their hands up in worship and he was just like scowling, not singing, arms down, staring at the stage. And I felt so clearly like the Lord said, I need you to go tell him that he is going to be a better father than his father was to him. And I was like, are you sure again, Lord? Like that's, that's so, I mean, it's so full of like, what if he's not a dad? What if his dad was a great dad? Or what if he didn't have, you know, like there's all these things going, Lord, there's so many things that have to line up for that sentence to make sense. And, and I was like, what else, Lord? And he said, that's all I want you to say. That's all I'm going to give you right now. And I was like, okay, great. So we, we finished worship and Everybody's leaving, and I walk up to the guy, and I said, hey, this may sound really weird, um, but I felt like the Lord said that you are going to be a better father uh, than your father was to you. And then as soon as that word came out of my mouth, a bunch of other things came out of my mouth, and I don't even remember exactly what I said, um, but everyone around, the, the family that was with him, they all started crying. He started crying. I prayed for him. And it was one of those things that it was like, I left and they didn't go, wow, that guy's awesome. I left and they were like, the Lord sees me. The Lord knows me, you know. And the prophetic is that. It's not fortune telling. I think a lot of times we're like, it's, it's you know, it's fortune telling. That's, that's not what it is. It is this. This is the best way I could say it. It's a spirit-led insight that goes beyond human intuition. This is the prophetic. And it is something for everybody to walk in. This is not something that's just like for the elite, you know, spirit-filled people. And it is for spirit-filled pe people, but um, it's not just for a few people. It's for everybody. And if you want a, a good deep dive into spiritual giftings, 1 Corinthians, honestly, 12 through 14 is really great. I mean, 1 Corinthians 
in its entirety is great. Uh, but if you really want to deep dive into speaking uh, in tongues, if you want a real deep dive into the prophecy, um, into love and all of the foundations for the spiritual giftings, they're great. But I'm going to give you a real quick flyby before we dive in. Um, number one, in 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says this. It says, pursue love because love has to be the foundation of everything that we do. 1 Corinthians 13 lays that out. Love has to be the foundation of everything that we do. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. So we are to earnestly desire to prophesy. That's okay. If you're like, man, Lord, I want you to speak to me in a unique way. The Lord's like, great. I love that. I honor that. It's not saying that there's just some people that receive that. Anybody at any point can receive that. Paul says earlier on in 1 Corinthians 12, he said, all of these are empowered, all the gifts of the Spirit, all the manifestations of the Spirit are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So each one of us can walk in this. This is not just for a few of us. This is for all of us. And this is the heart of this Sunday. Number two, Prophecy builds up, encourages, and consoles. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 through 4 says this. Um, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their uplifting and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So prophecy is this thing that really builds people up. Uh, years ago, we were, uh, my wife and I were, when we were on staff with YWAM, uh, we were praying over all these teams that were going all to, to all these different countries. And there was this, this, uh, this girl that was in there praying over them. And she started praying really loud. She was like, and I feel like the Lord is saying that you guys are going to die on outreach. And everyone was like, hey, you know, you have that moment where you go, okay, this is kind of weird. And and I'll never forget, because for me at that time, the, the prophetic was kind of new. And our leaders pulled her aside and said, no, 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 no. That, that is not what prophecy is about. It's about encouraging and building up. And guess what? That entire team came back safe and sound. It was no problem. Um, so again, when you, you hear the kind of the, the, the doomsdayer, the naysayer, again, laying out dates, that's one of those things that Jesus said, nobody knows the date and time. So these are all sort of like warnings and like kind of yellow flags in the prophetic. Um, but prophecy encourages, builds up, and it consoles. This is something that, that, uh, that is the, the point of prophecy. Number three, gifts of the Spirit manifest most in a unified and built-up church. I love this. I shared this with the team uh, downstairs. But uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 12 says this. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, it's great, you're seeking after the manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building of the church. Strive to excel in building up the church. So, Paul, and in the context of this, he's talking about unity, the the diversity of the giftings, and how they all work together. Um, And for, for Paul, he's going, look, if you want the manifestations of the Spirit, then invest into unity in the church. And out of that bedrock, you're going to find some really beautiful things. And I think nowadays... 
uh, there is a little bit of this sort of religious spirit, I don't know how else to say it, of people that are saying, you know, if only the church was doing this and there would be more passionate manifestations if we did X, Y, and Z. And it becomes a sort of judgmental spirit on the church. And that is not of the Lord. The heart of unity, the heart of connecting with everybody in the church, that is the bedrock for the manifestations of the spirit. And it's actually such a beautiful and at ease place to be. Like we just have to love each other, be unified. And whenever the Lord speaks, we just say yes, right? And from that foundation, the the gifts of the spirit emerge. And then number four, prophecy needs to be orderly. So 1 Corinthians 14, 29 through 33 says this, let two or three prophets speak, let the others weigh in on what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all you uh, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets, this is in, this is important. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophet. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So what does all that mean? That means we're not chaotic, you know, we're not, everybody's just like saying whatever they want at any time. This is why whenever somebody stands up in the middle of a service and they go, thus saith the Lord, I automatically don't believe them immediately because I'm going, you are not following a biblical layout for how we do this, you know. Um, So we don't interrupt each other. We don't do that. We do it one at a time. We do it orderly. Um, But the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So what does that mean? That means you have self-control, basically. Paul's going, you have self-control. If you're hearing something from the prophetic, you don't have to just blurt it out and say it, you know. So these are the ground rules. Again, 1 Corinthians 14, if you want a deeper dive into that. But we are, as a church, this is what we're doing. We are eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And prophecy is one of those things that Paul says it's a sign to the unbeliever. Um, It's one of those things that's revealing of the heart. So like I I said with that guy, when I walked up to him, I revealed some hidden things in his heart and he walked away, didn't know my name, didn't care to know my name. He walked away just going, I know the Lord sees me because that guy who has no idea who I am spoke to me about something that only me and the Lord know about, you know? And so this is prophecy. Now, I think right now the voice of the prophet is really important in the church. This year, something I'm feeling very uniquely, and I'm going to read what I'm feeling for this year in just a minute. Um, We need to be listening to the prophets. Um, And I don't mean you just YouTube, hey, prophetic word over 2023. You're going to hear a lot of wild things if you do that. Some of those might be great and and grand, but we are here. We're in a church, right? This is our church. This is our community. And the people that you know around you and the people that you know that are prophetic, listen to what they're telling you because right now is really important. And yes, prophecy can be abused. Yes, prophecy, I've seen it go awry, but we cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's something that is just unavoidable in terms of what the Lord is revealing to prophets. And so we have to listen. I've been, I've been, having, um, I've been having prophetic dreams the last few years. And um, it is not a normal thing for me. I don't normally have prophetic dreams. Uh, actually, I, the first one that I ever had was in 2020. It's the very first dream that I ever had. And as I was looking back, I was, I was looking at it this morning and I'm like, I think there's been, basically I get one prophetic dream a year. <laughs> Every year I go, okay, yeah, there were, that was that prophetic dream. 
um, a couple months ago, I had one of those dreams, and it was very, very simple, um, but it kind of unleashed something in me. And if you, if you were here uh, a few months back, I, I came up and I interrupted worship and I said something along the lines of this. But, um, um, but I had a dream that I was talking to Mark Buckley. And uh, if you want to know what's going on in life, you know, you talk to Mark Buckley because uh, he, he's the founding, founding pastor of this church and he knows what's going on and he's close to Jesus and he's close to the Spirit. Um, but in my dream, I, I walked up to Mark and I said, Mark, what do you see coming in the next five years? And it's so funny even that I said that phrase, you know, what, what a funny phrase. Um, I said, what do you see coming in the next five years? And, um, and Mark in the dream, he looked at me and he said, um, he said, don't you rem remember that prophetic word I shared with you earlier? And in the dream immediately, I knew what he was talking about. And I said, Isaiah 21. And Mark said, yes. And Isaiah 27. And I said, okay. And I woke up and I immediately was like, I got to go read Isaiah 21 and 27. And uh, I got coffee first because that's what I need to do in the morning. Um, I got coffee first. And then I read Isaiah 21. And, um, and this is what it says. And again, you got your notebooks write these things down. The Bible says to sift out prophetic words. So your job is not to just go, oh, okay, Ryan said that. This is what's going to happen. Sift it out with you and the Lord. But um, Isaiah 21, the, the title of it is Fallen, Fallen is Babylon. And I went, yikes. <laughs> yikes. And um, as I, pro I processed this with Mark the next day, because I happened to be meeting with Mark the next day, I said, I had a dream about you, and you told me, you know, Isaiah 21. I said, you know, fallen is Babylon. And Mark said, you know, prophetically, ba Babylon often represents the systems of the world, like this worldly system. And I started to go, okay, all right. You know, this, the, the falling of the worldly system. And in Isaiah 21, it said this, and this is what I think is, it really sticks out. In Isaiah 21, uh, in verse 6, it says, Go set a watchman and let him announce what he sees. Again, I think this is a prophetic image of the prophets right now. Like, it's very important to say, okay, what are you seeing? What's coming, what's coming down the pike, you know? And it says this later on in, in verse 11. It says, Watchman, what time of the night? Watchman, what time of the night? Because it's kind of poetic the way that it writes it. And the watchman says, morning comes and also the night. And I felt very clearly uh, like the Lord was saying, morning comes, but also the night. So there are hard things ahead, but there's beautiful things ahead too. There's hard things ahead, but there's beautiful things ahead too. Isaiah 27 says, it's the redemption, the title of it is the redemption of Israel. And it is far more optimistic and far more hopeful. And I felt like the Lord gave me this kind of dualistic sort of word of there is something hard that's going to face the world. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's something hard that's going to face us in this next season. But the Lord is going to be with us and out of it is going to be something very beautiful. And the night is coming, but also the dawn. The dawn is coming. And this, after I, I compiled some 
words from elders in the church and some other people in the church. Uh, This is what I wrote down um, in terms of this year. There is a storm on the horizon. Many of us have been feeling that in the spirit for some time. Though some of us may be standing in the sun right now, we can hear the distant thunder and we can see the gathering of dark clouds. But it's important for us to remember that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but a battle against the spiritual rulers and authorities. This is out of Ephesians. A battle against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Uh, that's in Ephesians 6. Ephesians, for whatever reason, stuck out a lot to us. And, and uh, David, even when he sent some prophetic stuff to the, to the team, wrote, uh, wrote Ephesians in there. But our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not primarily a political battle. We are in a spiritual battle right now. And we're feeling it. We're feeling it. The storm is the collision of the light and truth of Christ against a spiritually anemic and immature culture tossed to and fro by every new idea. A culture deceived by lies so clever, they sound like truth. Lies that would carry us all away if it weren't for the wisdom and discernment of the Spirit, which we need to cling to like a raft in these stormy seas. And I wrote Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, I think, is really important for us, especially in the NLT. For whatever reason, I read it in the NLT, and it said it that way, that that, uh, their lies so clever that sound like truth. And I was like, oh, yeah, that seems like the times we're in. We live in serious times that require a serious faith, a faith grounded in the truth of Jesus and seasoned with the joy of the Spirit. God is seeking in these times devoted disciples and worshipers in spirit and in truth. Disciples that praise him affectionately and trust him completely. That was a word that, we, that I had gotten from Nick uh, this morning. Disciples that have a lamp full of anointing and spiritual strength of the Lord so that we could be ready for any season. As these times heat up, which I feel like the times are going to heat up, As the times heat up, the dross will be burned away from the devoted disciple. A refining that may be painful at first, but will eventually bring new life to a weary heart. I really felt that. Like there's a burning away of something that's just not right in each one of us. It's going to be a little bit painful, but what it's going to actually do is bring refreshing over our weary heart because we're holding on to something that's not of the Lord and we got to let it go. A refining that may be painful, yep. And after the refining, there will be a refreshing of the spirit as in a cool river. Worship will be the overflow of the refining. Joy will be the overflow of the worship and a resilient peace will be the overflow of your joy. I just felt this order of like refining, worship, joy, peace. And as you're refined, your response is worship. And from the worship, the gift to us from the Holy Spirit is joy and peace. But all of this strength and preparation are not simply to help us survive. Like we're not just trying to hunker down and like crawl down into our bunkers. That is not what it's about. 
We are strengthened for a mission. Each one of us is called to preach the gospel in and out of season. This is not just for the professionals, quote unquote. It is for each and every believer in Jesus, the saints equipped for the work of the ministry. The church is shifting, not just living streams, but I think the church, I know that sounds pretty bold, but I just, I feel that, I feel that change coming. The church is shifting from come and see to go and do. I said this at fam night. I, I still firmly believe it. The church is shifting from come and see and go and do. And what happens at work matters. What happens in your home matters. What happens in your neighborhood matters. The church isn't a building. It's the manifestation of God here on earth. It's his hands and feet. It's not found in big crowds and famous people. It's found in the simple everyday walk of a devoted follower of Jesus impacting the sphere of influence around them. And against this, the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against that. Nick said this, he, he felt like um, this was the year, the, the word he wrote is the year to spend it all um, in, in 2023. Um, actually, Nick, do you wanna come up here and share it? Yes, yeah, come on up here, Nick. Come on. Welcome, Nick Orso. I was going to share it for you, but why would I? You're sitting right there. Thanks. Um, yeah, this morning I was woken up super early, and this I'm not going to pretend like this is incredibly profound because I don't think it is profound, but I do think it is a reminder that we need to hold very dear this year. Why not? Because it's right here, right? It just started. And the word I felt like the Lord was saying was that we need to spend it all, that this is actually a year of, of a trusting extravagance that we need to pour out, which is hard because I do believe there's a lot of tough times coming. We've seen a lot of economic things that would give us all the evidence in the world to hunker down and to sort of self-protect but I felt like the Lord was saying that we need a childlike affection in our worship and praise. And um, I shared with the team that um, my daughter, who's actually sleeping on my wife's lap right now, every morning, about four in the morning, she comes in our room and she sleeps in our bed with us. And she takes my hand and she sticks it on her face. And if I pull my hand away, she'll grab it and she'll stick it back on her face. Or she'll take my hand, you know, and then she'll, she'll put her face next to mine. Like, whatever she can do, I can't even roll over without her being glued to me. And I just believe that that's such a good example of how the Lord wants us to experience worship and praise and affection with him. It's not a groveling at his feet, but it's a clinging to him affectionately. And so with that brings on that childlike trust. My daughter trusts me completely. She's never worried about what she's gonna eat. She's not worried about what clothes she's gonna have to wear. She wakes up and all she wants to do is play. She wants my attention, she wants my affection and I wanna give that back. So I felt like the challenge was especially for those of us that I would call, and I'm one of these people, control freaks. People that have it mostly together or at least we think we have it enough together that we can muster the strength to be safe, to have what we need, to plan things out because we have anticipated it. But the Lord's saying, trust me with your time, trust me with your finance. 
because those are the two things my wife and I struggle the, sometimes the most with. There's no time to go on a vacation or to spend with someone or we skip date night month after month after month and the Lord is saying, no, take that time. Take that person out to lunch. Love your spouse, love your children. All of the working and all of the grinding, if it's not to spend time loving one another and building relationship with one another, then it's wasted. And the same with your finance. Do you trust the Lord enough to be generous with your finances? To give to someone that you've always wanted to give to. Well, I, I just got reminded, like a lot of us, if you ever pictured, like if I won the lottery, you know what I would do? I would buy this person that, and I would buy this person that. That's usually most of our first thoughts. But the reality is the Lord has given you enough for today and tomorrow and the next day, whether you know it or not, and he wants you to be generous and to pour out your finance, to pour out your time, whatever it is that you have, even if it's small, to give it with trust because the Lord is there for you. He cares for you, but it comes through that affectionate connection with the Lord. So spend it all this year, church. Thanks, Nick. Let's all stand up because we're gonna, we're gonna go, go with a little bit more worship, a little more hearing from the Lord. And again, if you guys are hearing anything, write it down in that, that journal that we gave you. Write it down in your phone. If you hear something and you wanna sh send it to us, just send it over to us. Um, and even this week, we'll go over those words. Um, but I felt a, just a couple of things as we go into worship. I felt like some of you are lost and confused. And you're feeling like you're far from the devoted disciple that you used to be. And this is the word I felt for you. The Lord wants you to know today that he isn't done with you. He isn't shelving your giftings and God-breathed dreams, but he is telling you to set aside every hindrance and run to his calling with abandon. It was a phrase I heard from the Lord, and then I had to Google it to make sure I was using it correctly. I was like, with abandon, Lord? Yes, with abandon. Just like you're throwing everything behind you and you're just running after it. So for some of you that feel like, man, there was this yesterday that I was so devoted to God, but I just feel like I don't have it now. The Lord is going, now is the time. Run after the Lord with everything you've got. Then there was another person that I, I pictured. Some of you are weighed down with sin and need to walk in the light. And again, prophecy is given to build up encourage, and console. So this is the encouragement. Just know that now is the time. There is an abundance of grace in the Lord. And there is a lighthearted freedom that he desires for you, but it will never be found in the world. I think it's part of the refining that the Lord wants us to do. And to not judge one another, but to create an atmosphere where we can confess our sins to one another, not so that we could shame each other and wag our finger, but so that we can have freedom and run. Because what the Lord is going to do in 2023 is going to require that light-weighted and light-hearted running. Jesus, we thank you that you're with us. We're thank you, thankful that you speak to the church, Lord, and that the church is not built on people that are just very powerful and say all the right words, and that's not what your church is built on. It's built on us, very imperfect people that you've called to be your hands and feet, and we humbly just lay down before you. We lay our hands before you, and we ask that you would move in our church and that you would use us 
this year in a brand new way. And as a foundation for any of that, we worship you. And right now we worship you, Jesus. Yeah, let's worship.